I mean, one wow. woman every hour, that's 24 women a day we lose. If we had a national road toll that said we were losing one person an hour, there'd be a public outcry. This is episode 168 on the Herpreneur Show. Today we have the founder of the charity Her Heart with Dr Linda Worrell-Carter. Welcome to the Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. Today, we're going to be talking to Dr. Linda Warrow-Carter. She's the founder and CEO of Her Heart, which is a non-for-profit Australian organisation dedicated to women's cardiovascular health. She is a prominent figure in cardiovascular world, women's health. She's also won an incredible amount of awards in business. With over 15 years of experience in her heart research, Linda has secured more than $12 million in funding. She's received the Telstra Businesswoman of the Year Award, yes, the big one for purpose and social enterprise category. And she's also raised a huge amount of awareness for disease of women and been acknowledged. She's also won the National Female Entrepreneur Award and the Casey Kennard Community Award for her organisation, Her Heart. Today, this interview goes into two different angles. We talk about how to set up the foundation and the things that you need, such as boards and, and funding. So we go into that and then we obviously also go into the juicy information that you need to know to get your heart checked out and some of the signs you're going to be flawed about some of the information that you're going to hear today. Let me introduce you to Dr. Linda Worrell-Carter. Where in this beautiful country of Australia do you reside? Where do you work from? Take us there right now. Okay, well, in actual fact, at the end of last year, after living in Melbourne for 25 years, we actually relocated up to northern New South Wales. We're now out from Newcastle, sort of the Port Stephens area. So, yes. I had uh, no idea that you. I know, I thought that I would save that just to show (laughs) it really is live. (laughs) Wow. Oh, that's a beautiful area. My sister's up there. And I was like, what is this place? Oh, it's like a little holiday place. It's just, oh my gosh, it's like you're on holidays every day up there. It's just beautiful. Absolutely. So instead of doing my daily walks by the the Warrandyte River, I've actually now, you know, near the beach, eight minutes from the beach, which is just wonderful in a very different yeah. way. Well, let's dive into it. I want you to share about your journey. You were in the medical field, a doctor. And then somehow you did this sharp right-hand turn and started to want to create a at-heart awareness for women, going against some pretty big foundations out there. We all know about the Heart Foundation, which I know we, we have definitely a different approach there. Can you take us through just that journey of you making that decision to go, hey, I need to start my own pathway here to make this health awareness of heart, like take us through this whole journey. Yeah. So, you know, I always say I'm a little bit unique. 
I'm actually a nurse, I'm proud to be a nurse, come from a family of nurses, but I'm a nurse who's a doctor. So, and that's because I've got a PhD. So I was probably one of the early generations of nurses that realized the writing was on the wall and I would need to probably, if I wanted to teach nursing and in particular cardiac, which I've always been passionate about, I knew that I probably would need to get that because obviously it's a requirement in the university. But my passion has always been in heart disease from very early on in my nursing career. And after 15 years of doing research in and around women and heart disease, I had all these women telling me the same things. And I remember having interviewed a few women and one of them in particular said, you know, Linda, it's all right for you. You know about women and heart disease. How do we not know this? And it's quite confronting at the time. And I thought, wow, but you know, she's right. And I remember having this moment where I just thought, I think I need to do something about this. So I think I realized that we just couldn't keep doing the research. Well, I couldn't when we were losing one woman every hour. I mean, one wow. woman every hour, that's 24 women a day we lose. And I think, you know, if we had a national road toll that said we were losing one person an hour, there'd be a public outcry. So yes. I just thought somebody has to do something. In fact, I remember Noel saying to me, well, it looks like it needs to be you, Linda. So I just resigned one day. I was professor of cardiac nursing at St. V's in Melbourne. It was the best job I'd ever had. But I just thought somebody needs to do something and it looks like it's me. Wow. So, yeah. So let's let's dive into some of the juicy stuff. I want to go two ways, as I said, with this interview. I really want to go into making us aware because even just hearing that stat, one woman every hour, 24 women a day, can you bring us to the awareness of the misconceptions that are out there and what actually her heart does to bring this awareness? So let's go first with what are the misconceptions? So we know from the research that women are underdiagnosed, which means that if a man and a woman goes into the emergency department and they've got sort of similar symptoms or different symptoms, we know from the research, women will actually get a lesser category. So they will get a category three and the men will get a four. They'll be straight through to the cath lab and the women are still sitting in the emergency department. Now, obviously, this was, you know, a little bit of a while ago. However, we know that things aren't really changing as quickly as they need to. We know that women are also undertreated, which means statistically they get less stents than men. They actually get less of the treatments that are required. So it's not rocket science that there's worse outcomes for women because when you don't get the early treatments and you don't get the diagnosis, you don't, it all rolls on and therefore you get worse heart failure than men. You know, you got all of the, the statistical outcomes are, are poorer. Women are twice more likely to die in their first year. Post wow. So, so let's talk about some of the misunderstandings because this was the first thing that you told me years ago and it blew my mind and you said to me that we are all publicly taught it's marketed everywhere the male signs of a heart attack yeah. or that we're about to have one 
Can you go through that and share that with the ladies so listening? Traditionally, we know that it's been perceived as a man's disease. So, you know, the videos, if you actually look at the all, all the old campaigns, they were all of the Hollywood heart attack. You get the clutching central chest pain, the pain down the arm, the sweating, and they're all men. Now, you know, this was one of the things I learned with you when, you know, I had that obviously crash course at the entourage and where I met you. And that's when I realized all the marketing had literally been to men. And you know what, in doing the research around marketing, women hate fear-based marketing. They don't mm. respond well to fear. And of course, that's what it had been. It had all been fear-based marketing. So I think those were things that learning that really helped me because that's how we have engineered and worked her heart from the get-go mm -hmm. to be the go-to place for women to learn about what the issues are, have this awareness, know that there's physiological differences, mm -hmm. that they get different symptoms because empowering women is what we need to do. Nobody wants to have a lecture and certainly nobody wants to feel like they're going to die at any moment. It, it's actually, everybody's got a bit of a, a thing about their heart. It sort of keeps them going. And they, so nobody wants to think about that. Mm. And importantly, I don't think women do, you know? Mm. So, so what are some me, of the symptoms? Share with us some of the symptoms or signs yeah. that so we would to be aware of so when we think about men we know that they do get you know central chest pain up to 60 percent of women won't get central chest pain so they're not necessarily going to feel like there's an elephant sitting on their chest which is often how men just perceive so they might have had pain going up to their jaw i had women tell me they'd been to the dentist twice so, you know, so the pain will go up through to the jaw. They might have a restriction in their throat. Sometimes they'll get a tightness. Mm -hmm. So it's it can be a heaviness, but it can also be pain going through to their shoulder blades. That's typically how it goes. It goes up into the throat, through to the back and shoulder blades. Mm. They will sweat. They feel quite unwell. And you know what? I think all of the women virtually told me, they said, I knew, intuitive, I knew something was wrong. Wow. Yeah. So I think women are very in tuned with their bodies, you know, and, and that intuition, I say, listen to your intuition. You know, you know something's wrong. Don't be put off if you go and you call for an ambulance and then the paramedics aren't aware of it mm. being so they might not take you in. You need to be, in a way, your own advocate. And it's hard to do that when you're actually not feeling well. Yeah. And this wow. is why we need to get the men involved, because then yes. men can advocate for women. Let's talk about your startup phase, because here you are, never had an entrepreneurial bone in your body, dived into research for 15 years, and now you know, flew out of the nest <laughs> to start up a, a heart foundation that has never been done before targeting women. So we've got women listening right now. They've gone through startup or they're in startup. Perhaps some of them are very passionate about something for their legacy. 
and they've been thinking about doing a foundation themselves. They're thinking about creating a non-for-profit organization. Let's start with just the challenges that you went through first, personally and professionally building it from the get-go. Let's talk about those first few years, about what you learned and what are some of the toughest things that you learned, but you found that that really helped you grow it and take it to that next level? So having probably come from a university where there was a lot of infrastructure, a lot of resources, I think probably I seriously underestimated. And while I had a huge amount of passion and I wanted to make a difference, I think the cash flow was the most challenging. I had to look at where I could get multiple sources of revenue. So you're not then putting all your eggs in one basket. And we know that because then when, you know, it came to the pandemic after relying on government funding, you know, things just changed for everybody. So I yeah. think working towards consistent funding and cash flow is for any business, you know, yeah. it's a really, and I think it is the most challenging. So, you know, it yeah. it really had me thinking and look, and, you know, even working with you, I remember going through you and, you know, with you and uh, mapping out different opportunities for different types of funding and how basically I could market my knowledge. And yeah, I think we made the decision personally that her heart wasn't going to be providing a service per se. So I didn't want to necessarily run a cardiac rehab program, you know, and offer an external service. So you obviously need to make decisions about what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And that's what defines you and makes you unique as well. I really wanted, though, all of our resources to be online and available to any women all over Australia at any time of the day. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when I could see, because we had a heat map on the website, what times they were all coming on late at night, searching, wow. you know, yeah. what What's the symptoms for chest pain? Really? So I really felt it was important to look at getting really key resources that spoke to women. Yes. So, but going back to your point about, you know, the challenges and sort of even growing the organization, I think that I really had two, <laughs> two big challenges simultaneously. First, as you mentioned, I got very sick and had to take some time off and then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So both of these, and in particular, the fact that funding that we'd been receiving, you know, from government, because we had a lot of success really early on, which was wonderful. We clearly hit sort of a nerve with women. We were in 55 countries in the first six months. So, we, you know, I remember, we, I remember it, you. it was incredible. And I think it was because of also how I was wanting to engineer it. But the pandemic, I mean, it taught many of us. I mean, some charities didn't survive, I have to say, you know, which is really sad because a lot of the good work that not-for-profits do, I've been astounded by how much is really a lot, often grassroots, you know, people like me who feel completely passionate about something go, well, this is not good enough we need to do this. So I think that I learned quickly then, and, and that's where I drew on the think of the thing, that how could we offer something to our members, but also make some revenue. And so we created post the pandemic, a membership scheme. Mm -hmm. And we're still growing that. 
And also it's very new in the not-for-profit space. It's not normal to ask people to pay, but you know, it's amazing how many women have done that. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly helped us. We're growing our community with this. Can I get yeah. you to pause just for a moment? Yeah. We will we will actually look a little bit more about how you what's what you're actually doing now. Mm -hmm. What I want the ladies to to understand is imagine creating a business where you actually don't have a product to sell or a service. It's basically getting funding. And that builds, and I don't know if you've ever built, you know, gone, raised capital at all for your business, but you could imagine how much that would stretch you. And Linda, I remember the very first, I don't know what the document was called, but you going for that first bit of funding and now reading that in the time of you building her heart, you guys have raised $12 million in funding. And that is an incredible achievement. Yes. So the 12 million is how much I have raised in terms of oh, you have raised. my personal funding over the time. Oh, you're kidding. So, Can no, we so clarify that, that again? Yes, yes. So that sort of, that figure is, I think it must be on there that over the course of time, you know, I have received over 12. Because I guess the other thing is having been in a, a research position, I do know how to write grants. That's, I, I actually did A grant, think, that's what it was. It was yes, grants. I was trying to think actually, of a very fancy word. Yeah, <laughs> I actually don't think I realised how useful some of my research skills would mm. come in handy, mm -hmm. to be honest. So the fact that I then was able to speak to government, write proposals, didn't have to pay. A lot of not-for-profits pay grant yeah. writers. Yeah. So I didn't, because I was able to do that. And wow. we were awarded within a few years, I think it was 2018, the status of, you know, the peak body for women, yeah, for women with cardiac disease. So, Amazing. yeah, but we have received, you know, I think 2.8 million in terms of mm -hmm. funding. We've received over a million pro bono support, mm -hmm. which has been huge. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yes. So to clarify because I want to make sure this is right on record for everybody listening right now, is that $12 million is not just from funding, it's what you've been able to raise, go out there and raise yourself. Is that correct? Over, But that's not specifically for her heart. It's uh -huh. during my academic career and including uh -huh. funding that I've heard. Understand, understand. Let's talk about the board. Yep. We've got women who need to create a board for their business. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. may need to bring on volunteers. They might need to bring on, you know, members and staff and you've been through it all. What did you learn most mm. about creating a group of people to help you really run mm. her heart and, and be that backing behind you? Well, First of all, I would say one of the benefits of being a nurse is you're very good at risk management. So one of the biggest fears I had, to be honest, was not being compliant for setting up the foundation and the not-for-profit. So I set out to speak to and recruited a number of advisors. One advisor in particular helped me and he connected me with somebody who's become our biggest supporter who actually works at Minter Ellison Lawyers and he has acted in the role as deputy chair and has helped us enormously navigate through 
And in actual fact, we got not-for-profit status within six months. Some mm. people wait 18 months to get that. And I think one of the things I learned with that, Annette, is not to be fearful of asking. Do you know, I actually spoke to a very good friend of mine. Her daughter's a lawyer. And I thought, oh, speak to her and sort of get the lowdown on my pitch to, and it pitches to anybody. They talk about elevator pitches. So I sort of thought it'd be really good to speak to her. And, you know, she sort of said, you know, Linda, I think you need to be careful don't be too disappointed. Minter Ellison, they're the, one of the top lawyers. You need to be, you know, ready for the fact they probably won't do startups. So, of course, I went in and in some respects, she might have done me a favour because I thought, well, I've got nothing to lose. So I gave my pitch. And of course, then they said, oh, yeah, we're on board. What would you like us to do first with all that? And I was just, yeah, staggered. So I think believing in yourself is so important. And sometimes when there's just you, when, you know, you might have met a few people who believe in you. And I think that's incredibly important. And Annette, absolutely, that was the case when I met you. I think try and surround yourself with some people who really lift you up. I know that's a lot. There's a lot of posts but, and things around that, but it's just so important. Yeah, it is, especially through that startup, because it's so scary. Can you share with the women, like, if they're going, okay, I want to start a non-for-profit, who are some of the key people yeah, that okay. I could think about that could help me yeah. as in volunteers, as in people to really help support me build it? Like, yeah. take them behind the scenes for, for some of the key people that really helped you yeah. at the start to even now. Well, I think you mentioned the board, and I think you need to make a decision. Are you going to have an operational board? or a board with some really movers and shakers. Mm -hmm. And I decided to have the movers and shakers. So I literally had to reach out to people and it, it can be very nerve wracking, but it's amazing how many people, when you actually share your story, they go, wow, uh, yeah, of course. What would you, you know? And, you know, we've got people like Susan Alberti, who offers, you know, business advice, and she's an incredibly busy, busy woman. So if you're going to approach busy people like that, you need to make their life easy. Mm -hmm. You need to be organized. You need to be thinking about how could they help you, mm -hmm. not be going and expecting them to do the legwork. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the thing. Whereas I've met a lot of people who've opted for the operational boards. Mm -hmm. And what's yeah. the difference with that? So that would be more having a lawyer who sees all the legal team, a finance mm -hmm. person who acts as the treasurer, mm -hmm. the secretary who perhaps, you know, does all the not the back end not for profit. I chose to do that. I thought, mm -hmm. you know what, I would rather have people who are going to move me forward quicker that I can take really sound strategic advice from mm -hmm. than have particular people such as marketing people on an operational board. Yes, so there's yeah. two types. And I think you do need to make that decision. And that was somebody that you did have, I remember at the very start, someone what who was helping with the marketing. I don't know if she was pro bono yeah. or if she was yeah. a volunteer. Yeah. 
But that was also a part of the structure as well. Someone coming in daily and she was doing some of the behind the scenes marketing. Yes. Is that right? Yes. yes, that's right. And that was Tina early on, which and she right. was absolutely fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I think that having people, and she did initially, she offered a couple of days pro bono and volunteered. And we also worked closely with the universities. I may have had a connection at Deakin University and we had interns And at one time we had several interns and I actually made the decision that they wouldn't just come for the 10 weeks, which was requirement Mm -hmm. that we interviewed and they came for six months. You know, I remember, I remember this, Linda, because you doing the interns was actually what made, I ended up getting two interns after that because I I remember that whole thing. So you actually taught me a thing or two. Thank you very much with that. That was, that was awesome. And, you know, yeah. that was really hard because I didn't even have the money to pay them the $50 a day or whatever it was. But I used to shout them lunch. I used to do things where we would, you know, we had um, an outstanding intern award. You know, we had all yeah. these things because so I think you can do things without money. But still, having said that, I think that was an incredibly stressful time and uh, you need to think about yourself within all of this and I know you're big on that so I won't probably say any more about that just for the moment. Well I'm sure some women are here thinking how do I raise awareness for this thing that I'm very passionate about? I want to get the word out there. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you've done that you think there were some really key decisions that you've made that have really helped you turn that cornerstone and really been able to make a big difference in awareness? Okay. I think the listening to the community is important. So if I give you two quick examples, the first was that women were contacting me all the time through all these different avenues of social media, eating, because they then knew that I knew most, a lot of the female cardiologists around Australia. Mm-hmm. And we had posted about the fact that you get better outcomes when you actually have a female cardiologist or a female GP. Wow. So you actually have less complications or, you know, you're more likely to be picked up on things. They perhaps have a different style in listening to you. So I was inundated with requests for, oh, I live in, you know, New, North, New South Wales, I live in Queensland, I've got a problem, I have atrial fibrillation, could you recommend a cardiologist? And it, it was huge. And this was as we were growing. So I thought, mm-hmm. okay, what do we do here? I can't respond to all these women. So we actually set up an online database and we called it Find a Female Cardiologist. That has <laughs> wow. That has been... Our biggest, so, you know, when I think about, you know, like you said, listening to women, you know, if that's what their concern is, they're they're wanting to have somebody who is another woman, similar to a female gynecologist they might want, you know, if you're Mm -hmm. going to test and check. And especially with what you're educating as well, where you're saying that the men and you were saying like this is a while back that they normally get treated at a different level they get more stints in like to help them for the recovery yeah so you know that education just goes perfectly actually with what you're even saying with how they have that expectation well I'll probably get taken a bit more seriously and I might have better care that's phenomenal 
That was one example. Mm -hmm. Another one was women were asking us, well, how do we know if we're at risk? And I thought, Mm. we need to get something designed for women. So I thought, okay, we need a risk tool, an online risk tool, Mm. you know, for women. So in my research brain, I thought, okay, so we did a review of all the risk tools around the world. And do you know, none of them asked them, asked the person completing them because we completed them to ask to see what they were like Mm -hmm. none of them asked about specific life course events for women and there's two essentially there's all the risk factors and aside from all the risk factors there's pregnancy or if you've had multiple miscarriages or because pregnancy is a stress test for the body Mm -hmm. so if you get high blood glucose, things like that, you're more likely to get diabetes later on. There's lots of things. And also menopause. Mm-hmm. And no, none of the risk tools ask that. So we, I created the first heart risk tool in the world. <laughs> Happened to get somebody who was very skilled and has actually created others in Australia. And we work together and we've got that and we put that in our membership to be a bit of a flagship to Mm -hmm. encourage people to sign up for the premium membership. Can I break that down in in simple terms, Mm -hmm. ladies? Linda has gone, what are the most frequently asked questions or the frequently common things that people want? So if you think to yourself when you're creating these products, these campaigns, these any type of marketing, you can say to yourself, what are the most common things that people say or the biggest problem that I'm solving? And then straight away that tells you, normally you you get the language that you need to speak from what they're actually asking you. And that's exactly what you've just done there. So please continue. Yeah, so I think that I wanted to make it very simple, that nobody wants a big, long assessment tool. So we used a traffic light system. We are wanting to expand this, I must say. We want to be able to have people print it so they can take it to their GP, things like that. So it's sort of in motion. We did seek funding and we didn't get that. So I thought, well, regardless, I'm going to do it anyway. So it's the first version. But I think that at the end of it, it will say, you know, you've got a green light. Yep, it's, Mm -hmm. you're good. You've, if you get an amber, you know, you've got a few things. You might've had a bit of a high blood pressure, cholesterol's Mm -hmm. creeping up. You know, you need to think about you've got a family history of diabetes, plus you've had a test in your pregnancy where you might have had a high blood sugar. So there's an amber where you might need to go and get checked out. And then there's red where it, it says, please go and see your GP, not to alarm you. But, you know, we really think it's best that you've got a family history, you've got which of course I know I've got a family history, but of course I've known for decades. Yeah. So if you've got multiple risk factors, we know it increases your risk. I'm going to share something with you, which I'm sure you know. I hope you don't. I hope I've learned something that's going to blow your mind. If it's not going to blow your mind, it's going to blow the lady's mind. Have you heard about the crease in the earlobe? What's that crease called? It's called the something crease. And yeah. apparently it's it's a telltale sign about your heart. Yeah. And I looked at that and I've got 
atrial fibrillation. So my heart's continually, yeah. And it was pregnancy that brought it out. So as you were saying before, goes hand in hand what you were saying, under pressure, the blood. And that's when I was like, oh, my heart's really palpitating. I had these weird, I've actually had it for years. And it wasn't until I was pregnant where it was really exacerbated. Yeah. And those little palpitations I used to get after very stressful days when I was traveling a lot for work, I'd get home and I'd just feel this flutter. And I just actually thought it was normal. I never, I just ignored it until I was pregnant. It was, I couldn't ignore it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I actually have that little crease in my ear. Yeah. So I didn't know if you've heard of that, if you know. If yeah, it's no, true. I have. And there's. <laughs> There's other things too in terms of the hands if you've got a, a line oh, on your hand. So I don't know. Look, as somebody who looks so ladies, at- don't check out your earlobes and freak out, please. Yes, that's exactly right. Because, you know, there's probably a number of other things that measurements such as, you know, go and get your blood pressure checked. The amount of women that say to me, oh, you know, and I never went and got my blood pressure checked, you know, and then I was found to have had high blood pressure for a number of years or... I didn't think about cholesterol, you know. So I think getting, I talk about, I'm currently writing a book and the chapter was called Know Your Numbers, you know, because I think we need to empower women so they do know things like they know your numbers. Yeah, they know that there's two different types of cholesterol. You know, one's good, one's bad. Well, you don't want a high number of the bad ones, you know. Mm -hmm. So things like that. I mean, we don't want to overcomplicate things, but I think arming women with this information is is really important. So I would love for you to share with the ladies some things we feel like, hey, we know it, but sometimes do we do it is the question. So I would love, before I move into my final questions, I'd love for you just to share just some changes in lifestyle that women need to be aware of, some things that they need to really start doing to really just up the ante of their health. Well, I think, first of all, women do need to know if they're at risk. So, you know, just go in and asking for a heart health check. And it is a government funded test. So I was actually speaking to a a GP recently and she said, well, I think the fact that it is funded, we are getting more women coming in and requesting a heart health check. Mm -hmm. That's because you do need to know, you know, what your blood pressure is. And, you know, women sometimes will say, God, I've had migraines for years. I didn't know that that's one, you know, one of the things that can trigger it is blood pressure, things Mm. like that. Wow. I think it's really important. And, you know, we're not so good at always putting ourselves first. So I really think the best thing is to get a recorded, get somebody to take your pulse rate. And in your case, sometimes we pick up the fact that it's, you know, fluttering or it's not quite stable. And then you get asked the question, oh, is this normal for you? And people go, oh, no, but sometimes I really feel it at night when I'm Mm. laying down. Because often when we're busy, we don't feel those things. Yes, yeah, it's when we stop. I think knowing those, having a cholesterol check is really important. I mean, it might all sound dry and boring, but I think if you can go and have a bit of a check. And my GP used to be great. I've obviously got a new GP now because I've moved. But she would say, oh, have you checked your breasts lately? And I'd look really sheepish because I'd forgotten. She'd go, right, come on, let's do everything. And then she'd check a pap smear. So I do it all at the same time every year. 
Mm -hmm. at the beginning of every year so you start the new year I think it's a new year new me get these things done because it's really important so I do think allocating the time for that then I think it's you know lifestyle things like making sure you exercise you know the benefit of exercise I was a bit slow off the mark with this never really had family everyone was just too busy nobody really went to the gyms while I haven't been a gym person, I am now. So mm. that's something that a few years ago, I know the benefit of resistant training as you're aging. And obviously I'm mm. a few years older than you, Annette. You know, I have to think about my bone density. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really important. But, you know, the biggest thing I would say is the benefits for mental health. You know, when you're stressed as an entrepreneur or a business owner, you need that release and walking, even walking, and it doesn't need to be every day. Don't punish yourself if you don't get to do it every day. It would be better if it's every day. And I try and make that one of my non-negotiables. But if you can't three times a week for 30 minutes or 40 minutes where you're getting out of breath. So you shouldn't be able to talk to your friend, you know, while you, you should be getting a little bit out of breath. I think that um, if you smoke or vape, you really should stop. We know that women, younger women who smoke or necessarily, you know, vaping now because it's also on the increase, if they are on the contraceptive pill and smoke, mm. they increase their risk 10 times of having mm. a cardiac event. I actually went off the contraceptive pill when I was 21. Wow. Yeah, because the naturopath that I was seeing at the time, she said, is there any heart issues in your family? And I said, yes, pretty much everyone's died of a heart attack. And she said, okay. And she says, you're on contraception. I said, yes. And then she says, you know, that puts a lot of stress on the body. And and that was it. So I was like, bang. Yeah, really. Never took it again. That's really interesting. The other thing I would love to add is, you know, just the, the the importance of diet, like the healthy diet. Don't be scared of fats. It's good fats. You know, avocado, coconut oil, inky inchy oil, like just beautiful fats, yeah. fiber. You know, helping you. You know, shift stuff so you're not storing stuff in your body. Like there's so much to do with the nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. The Mediterranean diet. I mean, that's been proven, you know, over in. So I regularly now, you know, I don't have butter. Or I will put that olive oil with some balsamic in it and put my lovely fresh bread oh, in yeah. that. You know, it's just delicious. It's just, yeah, a really different way. And I think, like you said, I have avocado. I try and have it every day. I have a vitamin B12 deficiency in my family. So I really need to look at that and sardines, you know, mm -hmm. things that also grass fed beef. I know everyone, some people go, oh, you know, in terms of protein, but women sometimes feel better after they've had just a small portion. Yeah. It only needs to be the size of the palm of your hand, not a huge amount. Organic chicken, you know, if you can afford it. I know organic food is sort of a little bit more expensive, but I think absolutely diet is critical. I say, you know, you are what you eat. And, yeah. and you are what you eat, eats. So that's why we want to get the yes. cleanest food. <laughs> yes, 
absolutely and drinking you know if you I mean obviously if you've had a cardiac condition it's it's sort of a caveat but we often feel hungry but actually we're thirsty we don't drink enough water so I think again you know there's a big thing around alcohol I mean fortunately now there's a lot of alcohol-free drinks Mm -hmm. that you don't have to feel excluded yeah and that's what I actually feel is if it's a Friday night, Saturday night, and I have had some wine, that's when I feel the the atrial fibrillation the yes. most. So I know that white wine definitely triggers it. Yes. So I know it goes hand in hand. If I have a red wine, not so much, but white wine, yes, definitely lie down and then I'll have that, that flutter and I think, oh, gosh, yes. there it is. Yes, yes. Dr. Linda, we would love to find out some things about you. Before we do, just piece of advice anything that you feel like you haven't said that you think if there was a piece of advice for a woman in the startup phase either in business or creating her own you know organization foundation and a piece of advice for a woman in the startup phase uh, sorry in the growth phase so a piece of advice for either of those women or both that you feel like hey if I was told this before I think this would have given me a really good shortcut or if there was one thing I could really tell them what would it be Well, to be honest, I think the best thing I ever did was doing that year-long entrepreneur's course. Oh, wow. Because, you know, I travelled to Sydney, was like every other weekend for a while, you know, it was a huge commitment. Then they'd have intensive workshops on a weekend, you know, and, well, not only did I get to meet you, but I really learned the whole gamut of experiences in terms of setting up a business. And whether it's a business or a not-for-profit, it's the same. You've got to be across yeah. so many different things. And I was lucky I did that early on because then I was able to then get an understanding. And while, you know, we didn't need a CRM, and I learned all about that early on, And we really only starting to use that more recently. I think it really gives you an all round overview. And obviously I read avidly. I love reading. So I was any book that I could get my hands on. So of course, you know, there was one by Jack Delosa. So there was his book that I read, but you know, there was also, there's a lot now that Janine Ellis, the, the Boost Juice lady, you know, she, the founder, she has written a book, you know, and spoken. So there's certainly a lot more in the last eight years now we're we're into her heart you know that's around in terms of following listening to podcasts I mean there's so much out there I think Um, but to me probably in the early days that was what I think set me up very well Mm. if I think about mid to well I mean it was difficult because we just had the pandemic but then it does allow you know even with things like that It allows you to be creative. Like then I thought, okay, we've had the pandemic. You know, some charities have really struggled. We need to do something differently. And then I created the membership, Mm. you know, the membership model, which is still sort of building, but it's a new concept. So sometimes I think there can be good things come out of, you know, situations. I will say one thing, because somebody told me recently, this is what they do for their business. And it could be a mid to grow a growth strategy. And that was, I happened to mention that I'd been nominated for Telstra Businesswoman of the Year. And I said, oh, you know, it was incredible. She won the non-for-profit female Telstra Businesswoman of the Year. Hello. 
And in 2015, I also won the Female Entrepreneur Award around for not for profits. But you know what I found that some people strategically, when they get to a point in their business, that's what they do. They look for all these awards. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, it allowed me to get in front of all these women. So instantly, you know, we can see when there's a spike in our social media, there's a... So Mm. I think don't be afraid of putting yourself forward or getting somebody to nominate you because it actually can be a really important marketing strategy. It actually is. It's it's a fantastic strategic move for edification because whenever we go to the websites and we're looking at the About Us page and if we see, let me just rattle yours off here, Dr. Linda Warwick-Harter, Telstra Businesswoman of the Year, not 2019, for the purpose of social enterprise category, National Female Entrepreneur Community Award. Straight away, besides having Professor Linda Worrell Carter, PhD, MED, like these, these are all things. This is all part of it, ladies, where if you know that you've, even if you're in startup and I'm actually working with somebody now who is actually my coach, so I see her for emotional and spiritual stuff, but she's she's winning incredible awards as in the alternative space for business awards. There's so many things out there for you to be able to get that credibility if you are currently earning your stripes and you're making waves in a brand new industry or bringing an industry inside another industry like bringing something brand new in. So I'm bringing health and fitness into female entrepreneurship. It's bringing an industry into, you can't call female entrepreneurship an industry, but we're bringing it in. If you've been around the block a few times, ladies, the question is how often are you putting yourself up for these awards? Because maybe that's time. And I think that is an incredible piece of advice that we haven't had for a very long time. I had one lady who had won, I think, over, I don't know, 15 awards. So we had her on years ago, years ago. I think it was like episode number 14 or something. So we're up to, what, 165. (laughs) So yours will probably be 166. So fantastic piece of advice there. Love to finish the show. Let's get to know you. What's something that you do that you know makes you the happiest version of you that's got nothing to do with sitting at your desk and doing your work? It's something that gets you physical, gets you moving and really promotes health and wellness for you. What would it be? What's your go-to? It actually, I start every day and I have done for probably 15 years now. Mm -hmm. I start and end with meditation. So I think this has just save me so many times and I mean I can remember one time where obviously I was incredibly tired the girls were younger then I've got two daughters they're in their 20s now but I remember this day in particular you know we'd all slept in for whatever reason I think we'd had basketball late the night before and of course I had to jump out of bed take them to school because normally they miss the bus the school bus Mm -hmm. and I drove them. They were arguing in the back because somebody had forgotten something. I bumped into the car in front, had to then stop the car, eventually get them to school. I drove back and I went back to bed to restart my day and do meditation because I think there's just something about having that intention, 
Mm -hmm. so it doesn't have to be onerous I mean I listened to the same old tape which you know in those days was just transferred across to my phone now of course I actually listen I use headspace but they have 10 minute meditations even five minutes you can use so I think for me that's been particularly profound Mm. you know I remember you you were the one that introduced me to headspace oh okay yeah 2014 Wow. Okay. I remember. I remember exactly what room I was in. I remember you told me and I had just had Braxton. I do. I remember all of that. Thank you so much for sharing your genius today. And it's so great to finally have you on the Herpreneur Show. Anyone that wants to know more about her heart, where can they go? And let's talk about that membership. Just so if women are like, yeah, I want to do that full on proper test. I want to be updated. Give us some information on where we can go and learn more. So we're at heart.org and you will see on the main page that we have, you know, two types of membership that we offer. The resources, we're, we're building out the resources at the moment and the premium membership is where the uh, risk tool is located so it's all on there you'll see a sign up so please sign up and join our community we're actually got some really exciting developments we are about to launch our first digital magazine Mm. and um, that's super exciting so yep we would love to hear from you I mean it's really about women supporting other women It doesn't need to be that, you know, you've had a heart condition. It might be that you're just interested in health and wellness. So, um, And you've got two levels with your membership. So talk through the two levels that you have. Yeah, so there's a a value membership, we've called it, which is sort of a $49.95. And, of course, these are all tax deductible. You know, it's like a donation. So you'll get a receipt. And the premium membership is 197, which is their annual memberships. Mm-hmm. And we've really appreciated people's support. And the membership is what's actually helped create the risk tool. And yeah, we're hoping to expand it, like I said. Yeah, mm-hmm. fantastic. Right. Well, ladies, we'll have the links below, specifically straight through to the website, but also straight to the memberships as well. And as she said, here we are, we're, we're doing a donation and we're also getting information as well. Like how great is that, right? That's awesome. Big congratulations to you. It's so great to check in after so many years. And I really appreciate you making the time to come and share your message on the show today. And yeah, we just can't wait to see what the next level now brings. Thank you. And thanks for this opportunity. And it's been wonderful connecting with you and your wonderful audience. It's great to see you too, beautiful lady. Thank you. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.